So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke, the 8th chapter. We're going to read one verse there, do a little bit of review from the last few weeks here. We've been talking about Experience God. Those recordings are online. I've had a lot of really good feedback from that. Even Pastor Kenny sent me out a note how it blessed him and he enjoyed it. But then we got into a couple uh, recordings on Experience God. And this last week, I think I just posted it last night, it was Experience God in Word. And we're getting a little more talking about why God sends forth his word. It gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. His word that goes forth out of his mouth, according to Isaiah 55, shall not return into him void, but will accomplish that word to he sent it, and it will prosper in the thing that he sent it. So we've been talking about when you receive the word of God, what it does. And the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We've been using the parable of the sower that Jesus taught in uh, Matthew 13, Luke 8, and Mark 4, which I love the parable, and we emphasized last week, Jesus said, if you don't know this parable, Carrie, how will you know all parables? He emphasized this is his doctrine. He spoke many things to them in parables and said unto him in his doctrine. Now, what's another word that even Jesus used for a parable? Mystery. mystery. That's right, Carrie. It's a mystery. You don't know what it means until you get the interpretation. And I'm so glad Linda Baker is with us here today. Her and I work out the same gym, and she, we talk about uh, her dreams and looking for the interpretation of those things, just like you would look for the interpretation of these mysteries that we're talking about. They're very important. We know that God does speak by dream and vision, that his word is uh, full of parables, full of mysteries, and Paul called them an allegory, but if these things are Jesus' doctrine, and they are, and they're a mystery, and they need to be explained or interpreted and understood, then we want to be a part of that, don't we? Because we've also, also emphasized that we experience God. Why do you experience God, Bryce? To get understanding. Understanding, not only, Julie, does the understanding help you to know him and have eternal life, like John 17 and 3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Uh, not only do you know him, but when you get understanding, it gives you the ability to depart from evil. Job 28, 28. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Also, when you understand God, not only do you depart from the evil, but you begin to walk in God's thoughts. You walk in heavenly places. You walk in the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that comes with the Holy Ghost. So it's very important for us that we have emphasized, experience God. We've taken another step farther, experience God in word. And today I'm going to talk to you about honesty or what it means to be honest. Think about that just for a minute. What is your definition of the word honest? I looked at uh, in the Webster's Dictionary. And I looked up honesty. You know what it said it was? The ability to be honest. <laughs> Don't really help me much right there. But if you go to the word honest itself, which is the root word, um, it said to be free from deceit and deception. I like that. That's pretty good. But I asked a couple people, and I got a definition for you. That's a little bit different. Anybody like to take a shot at it, Walker? To speak the truth, I like that, Bryce. Transparent. Transparent, very good, very good. Anybody else? 
I asked, I was on the phone and I talked to Pastor Dan. He just happened to be having lunch with Rick and Brad and a few people. So I just asked him and I said, oh, we'll talk later in the day. And he took the liberty to ask uh, Pastor Rick what his definition of uh, honest was. He had one word, a one word definition. He said repentance. I see how that works. We'll even talk about some of that today. And uh, Dan, we discussed a little bit more, and he says to have a teachable heart. You have to, to be honest, is having a heart that would allow itself to be taught. And I like all these definitions. With what Rick said, I could see where that repentance is what, if you're honest, what it'll do, what it'll work. But honest, to me, is the ability to embrace, receive, and walk in the truth that you hear. You hear me? It's an ability. Stay with me here. The ability to embrace or hear, you got to be able to discern what you're hearing is truth, right? The ability to embrace, to receive. Now you, you receive that truth into you, and now you walk in that truth. And having uh, Webster's definition of being free from deceit, that, that's pretty doggone good too, isn't it? But I'm going to look at honest or honesty as an ability. And we'll show you how that comes today. Because in Luke, the 8th chapter and the 15th verse, this is Jesus giving the interpretation for the parable that really nobody understood. And he, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, why do you speak to the multitude in parables? He said, because unto you it's given to know the mysteries. But unto them that are without, it's not given. And um, it also said that in another place that when Jesus was alone, he took his disciples into the house and he expounded all things to the disciple. So he didn't interpret his doctrine. He didn't interpret the parables for just everybody, Julie. For a lot of people, the multitude, he left it a mystery. But for those that are sold out, for those that would follow him no matter where he went, that gave up houses, lands, family, gave up their entire life, took up their cross to follow him, he would take them into his house, into his father's house, if you can receive this, into his spirit. He would take them in privately and interpret these parables, these mysteries. And guess what? A lot of times they still didn't understand what he said, Merle. They had to wait even longer. But he let them know that it's not for everybody. It's not for the multitude. And one person could say, well, that, that's not fair. He left a contingency on there. He said, lest at any time, if they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart. See how important understanding is? Understand with their heart. Uh, be converted, and I should heal them. So there is an opportunity in one of the interpretations he said about the multitude, and Isaiah prophesied this, their eyes they have closed. So if you close your eyes to God, and you close your ears and you say, I don't want to see, I don't want to hear, I don't want to perceive, I don't want to understand, God's not going to force his tr uh, true riches, the riches from heaven, heavenly understanding. He's not going to force that on anybody. But if somebody desires it and will pursue it, you very well could come to Jesus in the right uh, will, in the right intent and attitude, and him share some of these things with you like we're going to do here today, okay? In Luke 8, 
in verse 15, we brought this out last week, again, a little bit of review. That 15th verse, he said, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. I think everybody in this room has been exposed to this parable enough to know that there's four grounds. Wayside, stony, thorny, and good ground. All four grounds heard the word. So the seed was sown on all four grounds. Uh, but only one ground. Only the good ground actually received that word in, uh, kept it, and brought forth fruit. In other words, there was an increase. The seed multiplied. There was fruit in one ground. And so that one ground, which we're going to talk about here today, I'll show you how uh, the ground becomes good and is able to reproduce what God gives you. And notice also, okay, what is the ground? It's your heart. So one ground, the, the fowls of the air, the wicked come and catch that which away, uh, catch away that which was sown in that ground. Why? But because they hear and do not understand. Then cometh the wicked one and catch out the way, that away. There's another ground that when the word is sown there, uh, that heart gets offended because of the word. When tribulation and persecution and trials come because of the word's sake, that ground gets offended and doesn't bring forth any fruit. Anytime a person is offended, walls go up. And you know the, who those walls block out, Daryl? God himself. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and his contentions are like the bars of a castle. A person that lives in strife and contention, you, I promise you, guarantee you, they're easily offended. The great peace have they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them. I had somebody try to convince me one time because Jesus said about Satan in Matthew 16, Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. He told Peter, he was talking to Satan, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. And this gentleman in Chicago, he doesn't go to the church he was visiting that day, I think I preach, and he said, yeah, right there, Jesus got offended. I said, no, you have to throw away the scripture that says, great peace have they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them. Jesus wasn't offended, he was identifying Satan, he was identifying a spirit. He was saying, you are the offense, not that I am offended at you. In other words, Kerry, he was teaching his disciples, and specifically Peter at that time, that the thought you're coming to me is an offense. It's Satan. Catch it, identify it, turn away from it, and don't let it cause you to be a weak person. Yeah, I shouldn't look at anybody when I do this, huh? When you get offended, you're weak. You're weak. You're walking in a weakness. You say, well, that offends me. There we go. Proof's in the pudding. How's that? We need, it would be good to allow God's word to strengthen us and start to be true men and women of God. Individuals that aren't offended at anything. Individuals that can suffer for Christ's sake, Julie. Individuals that are going to take the shield of faith and take the sword of the Spirit and, and, and fight a battle that only true men and true women can do are you with me in this i mean the scripture says be strong in the lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of god why carrie that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil 
You know that word, Bryce, in the Greek? You know what that word wiles translates into? Schemes. He's got schemes, bro. He's got schemes to, to get after you. So what do you got to do, Carrie? You have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having your loins girt about with truth. Carrie did it. Put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. You getting a picture of a soldier here today? You getting a picture of somebody that's ready to go to battle? Get a picture of the word of God growing in you, being stronger and stronger every single day. That's what a relationship with God does. That's what um, receiving truth and receiving the word of God and bringing forth fruit will do for you. It'll make you stronger and stronger all the time, Bryce. And it may not make your physical body strong, but your spirit, you'll be a warrior for the Lord, let me promise you. Now, what was the other ground? Thorny. Well, what, what's the thorny ground? Here's the word, even receives it, but then uh, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke that word that it brings forth no fruit. So let's focus in and concentrate on this good ground. How do I get good ground? How do I get God ground? Remember when they went to Jesus and called him good master? And Jesus said, hey, there's, there's none good but one. That's God. Why callest thou me good? He was looking for a confession. Do you know who I am? Or are you just saying, are you just calling me good master, flattering me and saying these things about me? Or do you really know that I am the word of God manifest in the flesh? So the good ground, God is good, Daryl. It's God ground. How do you get good ground? Carrie said, you got to be honest. Look at that parable again, that interpretation, verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. Honesty produces good ground. How do you get honesty? Huh? Say again being teachable but don't you have to have uh, a word come to prepare that ground so it's one person might say well the seeds the word of god so how if the seed needs to be sown in the ground the ground already needs to be good you understand there's different diversities of the word of god don't you you understand there's a call to break up the fallow ground isn't that breaking up the fallow ground a preparing of the heart so the seed can now be sown in good ground so what does it mean to break up the fallow ground what does it mean to plow your field to plow your heart and prepare it for a word to come what would that be well could you think about john the baptist possibly was he sent to prepare the way of the lord how did he do that tim gallant with a call to repentance his message and so was Jesus's and his disciples. This is why I love Rick's answer. His call was um, water baptism, repentance unto water baptism for the remission of sin. He prepared the way of the Lord, Tim, a prophet with a word from heaven, prophesied some 600 to 700 years before by, uh, well, Isaiah and Malachi, but he would come and prepare the way of the Lord. So when the Lord came, the Lord is that word, that seed, that sown, the ground would be good. So there's a call to repentance, isn't there? No, there's a call to change. Change the way you think. Change your perception, your conscience, the way you look at things. And when it is in honesty, 
when that ground is good, boy, that seed's going to go into that ground, and look what it's going to do. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. It doesn't let the word go anywhere. Bryce, what have you done with the words that God's given you? You kept them? That's this good ground. Keep it, and when you do these things, you bring forth fruit with patience. Now, go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Julie, I'd mentioned this last week in Acts 6, verse 3, when they were looking for ministry, when they were looking for individuals to wait on the table, tables while the apostles could give themselves wholly unto ministry, uh, to the word of God, and to prayer. How many did they call out, Julie? Seven. You know what? Let me see. I might even just read that to you real quick. Yeah, I got it right here. Verse, uh, Acts 6 and 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of, his, of the disciples and unto them said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men. So get me some deacons. Get me some men. And look what the first thing is. Of honest report. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they needed individuals, carried that were full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, but were honest also. Now this is where i got to interject something. Another definition of honest or to be honest is to be sincere. That, that's good too, isn't it? Um, free from deceit and deception. And to be sincere. But i got to show you something about being sincere. It even goes into believing, if I can help, help you with this analogy like this. Let's say you're, to your best ability, you're trying to be honest. And you're trying to be sincere. But if you don't know the truth, could what you're being honest and sincere about be a lie, therefore your sincerity be dishonesty? You guys followed me well in that. I watched that. That was really good. I'll still use the analogy. Let's say, Nathan, that you're looking at God and, and somebody has taught you understandings or knowledge about God that are not right. Happens every day. Happens all the time. And they'd say, you need to believe this, Brianna. This is what I'm saying God is. This is how he works. This is what he does. I want you to believe that. And you say, okay, I believe it. Now, I'm walking in as a believer, you think. But then God comes along and shows you, hey, they told you a lie about me. That's not really who I am. That's not really how I work. So at that point, would your belief actually be unbelief because it wasn't true what you were told? Absolutely. I say that because in your own person and in your ability, you can try to be sincere as you want to be. But if you're not thinking correctly, then your sincerity is insincerity? Unsincerity? Thank you, Carrie. Insincerity. It's, it's not really true. So where do you really need to be honest at? Well, say, in my heart. Absolutely. Before the Lord? There's scripture that tells you not only to be honest before the Lord, but before, he told him, be honest before the Gentiles. 
They'll, they'll bring an evil report about you, but be honest before the Gentiles. Another scripture says be honest. I think the word honest, Julie, is in the King James Version seven times. Mm-hmm. Honestly, honesty, they're in there a little more. But he tells you not only to be honest before the Lord, but be honest before individuals also. Now in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, this sheds so much light on uh, being honest and how this works. Because remember, I'm going to emphasize again, it's honesty or being honest creates the good ground. So saying all that, like I said, I taught you about breaking up the fallow ground. If he's preparing that heart, if he's preparing that ground, and that's a repentance or a turning and a change from the way that you think, is it possible that in the beginning we're not thinking right? And you need a word, and what you're going to see here, you know what this word is? It's a word of light. Anybody here ever have dreams of light? You know, it's funny, people have these near-death experiences, and and I've had a lot of dreams about light. Uh, They'll tell the people in the dream, because the person's like, well, I was in a dream, and I was out of my body, and a great light come to me. And I went to the light. And in that place, they'll say things like they saw family members, they visited heaven, they did these different things. And then every once in a while, Mike, you'll have somebody that says, I had a dream, Allie, and I was in total darkness. Uh, The one with light was better. How's that? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If you have it, let's say it this way. Go to the light. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Okay, so forsake the darkness, the repentance, and go to the light, faith toward God. Now look at this. I, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time today. You guys, uh, we had a little extra because we didn't do music this morning. So I hope you're okay with this. And I'm not, as Rick would say, Bryce, boring you too much right now. 2 Corinthians 4 and 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Do you realize and understand the fact that God would call you into repentance is a mercy. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. God would say, hey, this is wrong in your thoughts, or let's bring it home to right here. This is wrong in your life. Let's change this. That's mercy. And you know what mercy will do for you, Bryce? It'll, it'll cause you to uh, repent, won't it? That mercy comes, a word comes that says, hey, this is wrong in your life. This is wrong in your heart. This is wrong in your thoughts. I can show you what's right. Remember recently um, I brought out the scripture about reproof and understanding. Why, Why are you reproved? To give you understanding. See, listen real closely. This will change your perception on reproof. Because a lot of people don't like to be reproved. They don't like, they feel like they're being told what to do. But let's change that real quick. God chastens the son that he loves. Reproof and correction are the way of life. So let's look at it like this. Might God, if he brings you a word of repentance and a a call to change, that's mercy. That's him saying, I'm going to give you the opportunity to change. And and for your good. Um, That's mercy in itself right there. Right? He's not telling you you did something wrong. Follow my words. He's showing you how to do it right. Is that easier to receive? I'm not mad at you. 
I'm not telling you you're a loser, a liar, and I hate you. I'm saying this is the way to do it right. If you would like, you could follow me. And, and, we'll re, and the repentance will work in your life. And this, the reason I'm doing it is because I'm being merciful. Because I'm being kind, because I love you. See, God chastens the son that he loves. That's a whole different perception, huh? That God brings reproof to show you how to do it right. Not trying to beat you up for doing something wrong. See, that's mercy, Bryce. Not condemning you. He's loving you. Therefore, seeing we have, have this ministry, I'll tell you what else mercy will do in repentance. Carrie, it'll put you in ministry. Isn't that cool? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. This scripture is so rich. Look what it says, but having renounced, what's the word renounce mean? Is that a repentance? Having renounced it. I see it, what it is. I don't want any part of it, Bryce. I'm going to renounce sin. I'm going to renounce myself from evil. I'm going to renounce myself from the lies and the deception of the devil. Well, in order to do that, don't you have to have a word that shows you what's right first? You'll see here, you know what that is? It's light, Allie. It's the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shining into your hearts. It's the knowledge of God that you get to see in the face of Jesus Christ. He said, but having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, we got to stop right there for a minute. Because this, I already covered this whole thing. Hopefully you had an ear to hear and, and you understand how this works. Because dishonesty is hidden. I need to read it again. But having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Dishonesty is a hidden thing. You don't know. This is why God's got to send a word to prepare the ground to make it good. He's got to come and say, hey, I know you think you're being honest, but you've been lied to. Therefore, your honesty is actually dishonesty. It's hid from you. That's pretty kind, Merle. That's a lot of mercy right there. So the first thing about dishonesty, it's a hidden thing. He said, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. So when dishonesty is working in the heart, you will handle the word of God in craftiness and you i mean you will walk in craftiness and you'll handle the word of god so you see that deceitfully huh so do you think if that's taking place there might need to be a renouncing there might need to be a repentance and a change he said but by manifestation of the truth here we go how do we fix all of this truth we need some truth we need a, need a word sent to us to prepare the ground, to, to bring forth true honesty that the seed can fall on good ground and it keep it, Carrie, and bring forth that fruit, that word of God with patience. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Where is all of this taking place at, Bryce? In front of God, in your conscience. Brianna, in your perception, in the way that you think. Madison, you're both back there smiling. How many of you can confess, or at least have perceived, that maybe before God helped you and changed the way you thought, your conscience might not have been as good as it could be? 
sometimes pretty bad. But the more we partake of his divine nature, Bryce, like Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the more we begin to see how God thinks, Carrie, and we, we repent from how we think, and we begin to walk in the light as he's in the light, it changes every bit of us. It changes our conscience, it changes our perception, which is the way that we think. Bryce, it changes our heart from all those other three grounds. Because when God sows his word, yes, he is sending it to show you those grounds, but if you get deceived and partake of those grounds, then you're walking in that deception. The whole thing is if you perceive it right why God is showing you that, then you separate yourself and you say, no, I'm not stony ground, no, I'm not wayside ground, no, I'm not thorny ground. God is showing me those grounds to give me understanding so my heart will be good ground. Total different way of looking at that, isn't it? Now, here's the big words. You ready? Three and four. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What will dishonesty do to you? It'll hide the word of God from you. It'll cause you to be lost. And here's how it works. In whom the God of this world, you see that word God, it's a small g. Watch Gary, we were at that conference in uh, Donnelly. And Rick brought up some conversation before they ever got there about the small g, the small God, which is not the true God. And there was a lot of uh, uh, vocabulary talking about the, the little g. So here, notice, this is a little g. It's not the true God. He said, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And, and you, again, you might say, well, I, I'm a believer are you, have you had truth come to you? Are you believing the truth or are you believing something somebody else just told you? You see how that, that believing could actually be unbelief? And it could be the God of this world blinding your minds? He said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest, and here's the answer, Daryl, check this out. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We need light. We need a word that comes to us, Mike. And it says there's things hidden. There's darkness in your heart. Hey, Julie, you remember in Jeremiah 17, 9, I was thinking about this earlier. We're talking about honesty. What does Jeremiah 17 and 9 say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Now, Bryce and I had a conversation about this because if I just throw that out there and I say, hey, Mike, our hearts are deceitful. That may not be true. What if God has changed your heart? David prayed and said, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So to accept that and believe my heart's deceitful after God has changed it and made me new and I'm in Christ and old things are passed away and all things become new, I would be believing a lie, Bryce. My heart is not deceitful. God has sent me a word of repentance. I have changed. He has healed me. He's made me free. My heart's not deceitful. It's good ground, Carrie. I'm going to believe the truth. I'm not going to be convinced of sin. So don't just blanket that. But again, Julie, the heart's deceitful above all things. That would be a heart that still has darkness in it, that has been dishonest, 
These things have been hid. So what's the prayer, Carrie? What do you think, Brittany? What's the prayer? Lord, send your light. Send Jesus Christ to me. He's the light of the world, Bryce. Send your light. Let it shine on my heart. And if there be any dishonesty there, Lord, I'm going to renounce it. I'm going to repent. But I can't do it, Madison, without your light. I have to have light. I have to have your word in order to turn because these things are hidden from me, God. But then, when he answers your prayer and that light comes to you, Allie, you put your seatbelt on, okay? Strap yourself in and remember your request. You remember your prayer. Because if, if you're in the carnal mind, and the carnal mind is an enmity against God. It's an opposing hatred. If you're in the wrong mind when a word comes to you to expose the darkness, you're going to think God's upset with you. And you're, you might try to get offended or um, let, allow deceit to steal that word from you. Remember, remember this. I've had to remind people at times, Walker, so this, this is too hard. I can't do it. Let me ask you a question. Did you pray and tell God I love you? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Bryce, you ever prayed that? Do you think that's going to be proven? That you told him? You made a, a vow to him? You made a covenant with him and said, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. You think that's going to get proven? It absolutely will. I know because I've done it and it's happened. But if you remember, I asked for this help. This word God's sending me is for salvation. I'm lost, and I need to be found. I remember I asked for every bit of this, Lord. Correct me, reprove me, lead me, guide me, get every bit of darkness on my heart exposed, revealed, that I may re renounce the dishonesty, and my ground will be good, so every time the word goes forth in a sowing, it's gonna, we're going to have a harvest. It's going to bring forth fruit. Maybe it's 30-fold sometimes. Maybe it's 60-fold sometimes. Maybe even sometimes it's 100-fold. But any way you look at it, there's increase. The Word of God is being reproduced in your heart, Walker, in your mind, in your soul, and in your very spirit for eternity. That's the work of God. Anybody else before we go? All right. Appreciate you very much. Love you guys. Remember Bible studies and uh, may the Lord be with you.